What's the other thing we know about this population? And it's a specific phase of life. Remember, age is more than a chronological fact. What else do we know about this population, 18 through 24? They are stupid. <laughs> that is why we put them in dormitories and they have a resident assistant. They make really bad decisions. from the swamp. That's right, I am in Washington, D.C. I'm still Dave Rubin, this is still The Rubin Report. It is November 14th, Monday, November 14th, 2022. We are live streaming as always on Rumble, YouTube, and Blaze TV. Subscribe if you have not, and yes, we got on a plane. I put the team on a plane from the free state of Florida this morning, and we, uh, we actually just arrived last two hours or so here in D.C., and we are doing a couple days worth of shows, so that we're obviously at a special time today, 3 p.m., but tomorrow and Wednesday we'll be back to our normal 11 a.m. time slot, and we're going to be doing some live shows. I've got a couple meetings. We're going to be doing interviews, which are still materializing on the fly at the moment, but I know we have Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Rand Paul. We've got Congressman Byron Donalds. I think we might have uh, Marsha Blackburn. Uh, a couple other people, I think, are on the way. Oh, Jim Jordan. I'm going to be sitting down with him a little bit later today. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan. Uh, Senator Josh Hawley. We, we, got, we got basically like an A-list all-star team of people to talk about what just happened, right? I mean, everyone is still trying to make sense of what happened last week. Clearly, it wasn't the red wave. Does look like the Republicans will at least get Congress, although that's a little bit up in the air still. And speaking of up in the air, we still don't even have results from Arizona, which is, which is banana republic type stuff, like unacceptable, no matter which way it goes at this point. Um, it's just unacceptable to not have results really within the day of the election, and we're going to have to deal with all that. Uh, but the theme of the show today really is let's make some sense of this thing, and what do we do going forward? And, you know, should we have followed polls or not followed polls? Who got some stuff right? Who got some stuff wrong? And, and what is the future of, let's say, the as I always say, this sort of broad conservative movement, because it's thriving in some places, right? It is freaking thriving in Florida, right? It's doing really well in Texas and Tennessee and South Dakota and Iowa. There are places where this is working, uh, but there are places that seemingly want to go just bluer and bluer and bluer. So we're going to get to all that. One little just side note that I, I uh, saw on the way here as we were walking over, and I was looking at the Twitter. Uh, first, oh, I should tell you also, there's no people in D.C. I don't know where everyone is. I, there are just, it's like a go, complete ghost town. Actually, Daphne and I were walking over to the studio, and uh, we didn't see anybody. And then finally, we were walking under a bridge, and there was this massive, like, homeless encampment under the bridge. So we were kind of like, ah, is there another way to go around? But we were like, we got to get there. We're going to walk by the encampment. This guy pops out of a tent. And like we kind of jumped a little bit because it looked like he was like coming right at us. And he's like, no, no, dude, I don't want your money. I just want your jacket. He just wanted my jacket. Can't have the jacket. I have, I have work to do. Uh, anyway, we are here in D.C. The, the split between the red and the blue is very, very obvious. And we are in the swamp trying to make some sense of it. Oh, and also I will be on uh, Tim Pool's Timcast tonight at, uh, at 8 p.m. Okay. Oh, and the one thing that I wanted to tell you was I saw something right before which was that New York in the last couple of years has lost around 550,000 people 
you take the last few years of COVID and everything else. Kathy Hochul only won the election over Lee Zeldin, who she was supposed to crush. I really did think Lee had a chance. He made it very close. New York flipped a bunch of blue congressional seats red, so Zeldin at the top of the ticket did a heck of a job. I think he's got a bright future. Um, but he only lost to her by about 350,000 votes. So if you factor in the amount of people that fled, more people fled than the margin of error, the margin of loss for Lee Zeldin. So it tells you how the, the red and the blue perhaps are just gonna get further and further apart. That might be okay. Anyway, we got a whole bunch to talk about. Uh, let's start with, I can't believe it, I don't mention them that often, Saturday Night Live, which used to be a comedy show, the Not Ready for Primetime Players, used to be a comedy show on NBC for many years. It's been on for about, I don't know, maybe 50 years at this point. Used to have some great all-star comedians. Um, anyway, Dave Chappelle was the host this week. You guys know Dave Chappelle's been fighting the woke. He's actually a politically incorrect comic. I don't agree with everything the guy says. But he did an interesting monologue where he tried to explain to a New York City largely liberal crowd on a show where many of the writers boycott the show because he was going to be the host. Uh, he tried to explain what Trump was all about. It was really interesting. Uh, this is about a minute and a half. It's a couple parts that are clipped together. And I'm watching the news now. They're declaring the end of the Trump era. Now, okay, I can see how in New York you might believe this is the end of his era. A lot of you don't understand why Trump was so popular, but I, I get it, because I hear it every day. He's very loved. And the reason he's loved is because people in Ohio have never seen somebody like him. That first debate, I'd never seen anything like it. I've never seen a white male billionaire screaming at the top of his lungs, this whole system is rigged, he said. <laughs> And across the stage was a white woman, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, sitting over there looking at him like, no, it's not. I said, now, wait a minute, bro. It's what he said. And the moderator said, well, Mr. Trump, if in fact the system is rigged, as you suggest, what would be your evidence? Remember what he said, bro? He said, I know the system is rigged because I use it. I said, God damn. <laughs> No one ever heard someone say something that true. And then Hillary Clinton tried to punch him in the taxes. She said, this man doesn't pay his taxes. He shot right back. That makes me smart. <laughs> and then he said, if you want me to pay my taxes, then change the tax code. But I know you won't because your friends and your donors enjoy the same tax breaks that I do. And with that, my friends, a star was born. Okay, so Chappelle goes on and on, and we're, as I said, we're just showing you a small portion of it. There's some interesting stuff there. First, at, uh, at a later point, he says that I'm a, I think he says I'm a Democrat and I'm still a Democrat. Now, it's interesting. I don't know what makes someone who is anti-woke a Democrat at this point, but okay, he, he says he's a Democrat. I know a lot of you are watching going, uh, well, Chappelle, you're, you're just late to the party. You're making these jokes now, but we saw it then back in 2015 when he was running against Hillary and he was talking about all of that stuff and pulling that curtain back. We saw it while the entire machine called Trump a racist and a bigot and all of that. So yes, he's, he's late to the party, but 
he is saying the truth now, so it is worth giving him credit for. Again, I don't know what would lead someone like that that gets it. If he gets it and he gets how the system is rigged, I don't know how you could then be with the party that is far more involved with the rigging, which is the Democrats, uh, but so be it. He does have a strange way of racializing everything, like when he makes a point of saying that Donald Trump was a white man and Hillary Clinton's a white woman, like, I, I don't need any of that stuff. It just, it just doesn't really matter. But I do think it is interesting that it is sort of bursting into the mainstream and there is nothing more mainstream and sort of bland than Saturday Night Live. The idea that Trump was onto something over these past couple years. So why is it worth even mentioning any of this and talking about Trump just a few days after the election? And it's very unclear to me at least whether Trump's endorsements actually helped or hurt people. Like you could argue, I suppose, that he did help. He was in Ohio the day before the election. J.D. Vance, who was his guy, who was not a Trump supporter back in 2016, he did win. So that's good. Trump was also in Michigan uh, but Tudor Dixon lost. There's many examples of this. Dr. Oz, big Trump guy, he lost. So it's a little hard to say what effect Trump actually had on the election. He always wants to take credit for all of the good parts and, and not, you know, be included when it comes to the bad stuff. But in any event, I'm talking about all of this because they are saying, it's out there, they're saying it, people, uh, that Donald Trump is going to announce tomorrow night. That's what people are saying. Tuesday night this week that Donald Trump is going to announce that he is running for president uh, in 2024. And it's, this has got everybody talking. I don't even know if it's going to happen. It's like I sort of felt, and I mentioned this last week, like after the election and trying to make some sense of it, like I think everybody kind of needed a little bit of a break. But there are new fights to be had right now. There really are. Like the Republicans have to figure out which way do they want to go. Do they want to go the Trump route? Is there a DeSantis route? Is, can those things be combined? Is it the old route that had nothing to do with either one of those guys? And the Democrats, are they more emboldened now, right? They simply, no matter what happens with Arizona, the Democrats did not get crushed in an off-year election. That's rare. So now they're talking about bringing Biden back. There's just like a lot of stuff right now. Uh, and I was doing cardio yesterday, flipping through the YouTube, and uh, Jordan Peterson was on Piers Morgan's show. And Piers asked uh, Jordan to give an assessment of Donald Trump, and I think this is worth watching. I thought it was very fair. Donald Trump, what is he? Is he a, a narcissist, a sociopath, a psychopath? All of those things, none of them? I don't think that he's a psychopath um, because he's been successful in repeated enterprises over long periods of time, and he has a variety of people who are remain intensely loyal to him. It's very easy to demonize someone that you don't approve of, let's say, and certainly Trump has been subject, I would say, to more demonization than any political leader in the West that I can remember in my entire lifetime, including Richard Nixon. And so that's also set him back on his heels and made him somewhat embattled and defensive, which I don't think did any great things for, for his personality in some real sense. A good doctor, I very few analyze things better than him. Let me just reiterate a couple of things. So he said that Donald Trump is not a psychopath, right? You watch mainstream media, the guy's a psychopath, he's Hitler too, blah, blah, blah. Then he said he's been successful. Well, there's no doubt that Trump has been successful over long periods of time in many different businesses. He's had many businesses fail too, but he's still standing. The Trump name means something, right? That's true. 
he has loyalty, especially with the base, obviously. Uh, and then I, th what he said there at the end, that he's been more demonized than anyone, and that that could then have an effect on Trump's uh, sort of attitude and behavior, I thought was very interesting. So they continued to talk about this, and then uh, Piers Morgan brought up if there was a better alternative than Donald Trump. And now you'll see why I'm connecting all of this to the post-election situation that we're in. Would you like him to run again? Would it be good for America, do you think? No, I, I don't think it would be good for America. Would it be good for him to run? That's a, dif that's a difficult question because it might be that it would be good for America to have whether or not Donald Trump should be president sorted out in the public sphere, yeah. debated intensely and subject to an election. So it might be very interesting to see him put himself forward on the Republican ticket. If I had my druthers, um, and I say this, I hope with due care, I would rather see someone like DeSantis step forward who mm. shares some of that forthright um, um, strength, let's say, that characterizes Trump at his best, but seems to be a, a more uh, cautious administrator and mm. a less divisive figure. I think that would be better. Man, I can't believe I toured with the guy. He's that good. I still hear him now, and I think, man, if I could just explain things the way he does. I mean, there's a, there's a beauty to the way he describes these things. First off, the way he cautions things, right? Like, maybe the battle should happen, right? Like, as opposed to just indicting Trump, pushing Trump off into the corner, ignoring the base, all of those things, demonizing half the country. Maybe the guy should run so that it, the battle could be had out in the open and people could see what the ideas are, see, people could really see what the tactics are. He's saying maybe that would be best. Uh, but then he is saying that there is another guy who has seemingly much of the upside of Trump on the policies and the ideas and all of that and doesn't have the downside, is more disciplined, is more competent, etc. So obviously that is... Ron DeSantis, and Ron DeSantis right now is feeling pretty great because if there was one winner, well, I don't wanna say there was one winner. There, there were millions of winners because there's millions of Floridians. Uh, but there was one winning state, in my opinion, uh, last Tuesday, and that was Florida. The guy not only won by 20%, but he flipped districts like Miami-Dade red that should not, that no one thought could ever go red. Uh, he won his last election in 2018 by about 30,000 uh, votes against a guy named Andrew Gilliam, who was propped up by the machine, who turned out to be a meth addict. He was arrested at a meth orgy like a year and a half ago. Uh, DeSantis has been an absolute all-star. You guys know my feelings about DeSantis uh, and what he has done here. I moved myself and my family and several companies to Florida and everything is flourishing. Uh, I was asked about uh, DeSantis in Florida on Fox uh, two days ago. Give us a sense, because you're a newbie to Florida, about how people there are reacting to this outcome. Oh man, it's off the charts. I was actually broadcasting that night about 100 feet away from the stage. The energy in that room was was unbelievable. But really what's happening here in Florida with this 20-point win is that people have just said enough of the woke stuff, enough of you know encroaching on our children and taking more of our tax dollars and everything else. How about competent governance? And that is what we have done here at every single level. There is such incredible energy in this state right now. They're building houses everywhere. They're redoing roads. Uh, you know, people obviously don't have state income tax. There is a feeling that our education system will work better because we're pushing the woke stuff out. DeSantis is basically doing exactly what everyone asks politicians to do. Give us the room to live our lives as we see fit and then 
pick those those brief moments where the government has to do something. He's doing it brilliantly well, and I think that was the best speech he has ever given. He's he's stepping into the moment, and that's why he's getting so many attacks, by the yeah. way, at the moment, because people are realizing this this is the real deal. Okay, so let me address uh, a couple things here. So everyone in the media the last couple of days is there that you can feel it. You can feel it and you can see it and you certainly can hear it. They are salivating. They are chomping at the bit for this Trump-DeSantis fight, right? Because if you are part of the establishment, if you're a Democrat, if you're big tech and you're corporate press, what would you love to happen? You would love for the two guys that are the big two Republicans to trash each other, destroy each other, make everything so raw and so scorched and burned and shriveled and with nothing left that whoever makes it to 2024 is completely hampered with a broken base and everything else. Now, I hope that that does not happen. That being said, I do agree with Jordan's sentiment that it might be best if the fight happens publicly. Again, I don't know if DeSantis wants to run. I know the guy freaking loves Florida, but it does feel like it's going in that direction a little bit. And and again, I voted for Trump. I like Trump. I like his children. I think he's he was a fantastic president, uh, but they all have pluses and minuses, right? So like one of Trump's major minuses, I think right now, putting aside the, the personality stuff or indictments or anything else, one issue that he has for sure is can Trump bring in new voters, right? And you got to look around. People know who Trump is. So is Trump going to bring in a whole bunch of new young voters that are first time voters? Probably not. Maybe there could be some. But what does Trump do for sure? If Trump jumps in, a certain amount of people who just wouldn't vote probably will vote against him, right? So maybe five million people. I don't know what the number is, right? So he has a. He may have already hit his ceiling, and we don't know how low the floor can go. So that's the the main issue around him. DeSantis to me doesn't have many drawbacks. They have to have it out. I would hope, and this is if anyone from the Trump campaign is watching this or the DeSantis campaign, but this is more to the Trump people. It's like DeSantis has accomplished everything. He accomplished everything here in Florida that you wanted to accomplish for the nation. He kept the place open. The economy is thriving. Everything is working and chugging along. He fought the woke in the most uh, efficient possible way, got it all out of our schools. Our elections are safe. He did all of the things. So Trump can't really beat him on policy. What Trump can do, and he, and he absolutely can do this, and he is better than DeSantis at this, and he's probably better than anyone at it, uh, because in essence, he's in some ways, he's a, he's a sort of crowd-working stand-up comic. Trump might be able to bring in all of the dirt and make it really nasty and make it not about policy, but about a bunch of, a whole bunch of other things so that he could ascend to the presidency. It is possible he could do that. I would hope he would not, and I think he would end up turning off a whole bunch of people. Uh, but we're gonna really see people go into their two camps. And I was thinking, you know, so much of what we see in politics, I often describe as kayfabe, right? K-A-Y-F-A-B-E, Google it if you don't know what it is. It is the idea of professional wrestling, that we're, we're all watching professional wrestling. We know it's scripted, yet we're having honest human reactions to it. And that's in some ways what politics has become. It's this seemingly scripted thing happening right in front of us. Well. I don't think the story in the script for whoever's writing the script has to be necessarily DeSantis destroys Trump or Trump destroys DeSantis. You know what often would happen in the WWE back in the day? I can only give you uh, references from wrestling in around 1986. Uh, instead of Jake the Snake Roberts and Hacksaw Jim Duggan killing each other in the ring, sometimes they would team up and they'd fight Andre the Giant and... Uh, 
Rafael Santana. How is that? You see? You see what I did there? So maybe these guys can team up. I think anything's possible. We'll see what happens tomorrow. But the other piece that sits with all of this is that because DeSantis has done things so well in Florida, uh, they're, they're not really able to figure out what to pin on him, right? And, and that's what I keep telling you guys. Florida is the blueprint. It is the blueprint. I'm very proud and happy to live in the place that is the blueprint. And I know that the people in the other uh, control room right now are, are as well. There, is, there are a few people that live in Florida that are not happy with the blueprint. One of them is The View's Anna Navarro. Uh, who also is a CNN contributor, of course. The, can you what a resume? She's on The View and CNN. It's a lot. Anyway, how did DeSantis win? It's not because he did everything that Floridians asked. No, it's not because of that. It's because he gamed the system. Yeah, I told you he was going to win bigly. Mm-hmm. But listen, Ron DeSantis barely won in 2018 by 35,000 votes by the skin of his teeth against a black, progressive, little-known mayor from Tallahassee, Florida. It didn't. Yesterday, he won by 20 percentage points. Why? Because he gamed the system. Because he turned Florida into an unlevel playing field. They changed election laws, making it harder to vote by mail. They paraded uh, a bunch of people, black people, that they arrested for uh, voting fraud and paraded them in front of national media. He created an election police. Okay, so Anna, nonsense, drivel, and you're literally basically the only person saying that there were any shenanigans. There's so many shenanigans to really talk about if you want to talk about election irregularities and what's going on in Arizona right now, and you want to talk about all of the early voting, and you want to talk about mail-in ballots, and you want to talk about drop boxes, and all of these things. But nobody, nobody serious is saying that there was anything wrong with the election here in Florida. So I'm not even going to give her uh, much of that, but that he gamed the system. It's just not right. What he did was he tightened the rules so that everyone actually had to have an ID to vote and most people did show up. And then, by the way, I mentioned it last week when the hurricane hit, he did loosen some of the mail-in ballot stuff and early stuff so that people would be able to vote because they were dealing with their own tragedies. I mean, houses that were gone and all sorts of stuff. Um, He did nothing racist. They're not coming for the gays here. It's all just nonsense. But what does the mainstream media do? Of course, of course, of course. They have to make you fear everything. Here's a tweet from Fox. I'm not even going to bother showing you the MSNBC panel, but this was great. MSNBC had a panel where Republican-controlled Texas and Florida labeled laboratories of autocracy by a worried MSNBC panel. So that is going to be the new move, that they, on, on mainstream media, they will constantly be telling you that Florida is not free. It's an autocracy or it's fascistic or that's what's happening in Texas and some of these other red states. And it's like, the proof's in the pudding. You can come here. Nobody's leaving. Anna Navarro lives in Miami. Anna, I know it's like, it says it in your Twitter bio. I'm not outing you. You live in Miami that just got flipped red. Why don't you leave? Like, why don't you leave? I think we know why you don't. You're enjoying the taxes and you know it's actually pretty good here. Uh, Let's continue though, as long as I mentioned the televised mental institution of MSNBC. Uh, Here's Joe Scarborough explaining that it was right-wing polling that was off on all of this stuff. What? This is propaganda. Why are you putting this? And I really think it threw off a lot of people in the media. They followed those right-wing garbage polls. 
Ah, okay, so we followed right-wing garbage polls. Now, first off, everybody was expecting the red wave. There were almost no counter voices to that. And what did I tell you every time I, I think every time, like sometimes I repeat myself into, into nauseam. Every time I set a poll, I would say, I don't really trust polls. It's hard to gauge what's going on here with polls. But we talk about right-wing garbage polls. We did our best, really, really did our best to go with a, a cross-section of polling. So we did Nate Silver's 538. It's a lefty, like he's an Obama guy. That's not a right-wing garbage poll. Real clear politics, that's the one I usually use. That's as centrist polling as you can possibly get. We used uh, Pew and Emerson. These are the most reputable polling operations, outfits out there. So the question is, were they all, were they all wildly, wildly wrong? Did something really go on with all of the, these drop boxes and the early voting and all of this stuff? Like what the hell's going on in Arizona? Or, or is it really that a certain amount, this is what I said on the show, I think it was on Friday, like a certain amount of people, no matter how bad it gets, no matter whether the economy's crashing and we're in this bizarre war in Ukraine, and the supply chain, and oh, you were locked in your house and they forced you to inject stuff and you got fired from your job. They just want more. They just want more. Or that the Republican brand, the alternative brand, is just so bad. And the question is, if that's true, does that have something to do with Trump? That, these are all the things that we gotta kind of figure out now, right? We gotta figure these things out. Uh, but the media has been reacting to the, uh, to the midterm elections and they trotted out uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, she's at least House Speaker for now, we'll have a better sense of that in a couple of days, uh, to talk about uh, praying in elections or something like that. But again, the races are close and um, we just, you know, we don't pray for a victory. I, I was, I grew up in a political family, you don't pray for the victory, but you pray that God's will will be done. And on that Sunday, that's what we pray on this. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> We don't pray for a victory, but why can't Democrats speak? Why has it become sort of the mainstream Democrat position to be unable to complete a sentence clearly? This is Joe Biden. This is Nancy Pelosi with her dentures falling out. This is John Fetterman, et cetera, et cetera. So she doesn't pray, but she kind of prays political family. Maybe she's praying, blah, blah, blah. Uh, then she made a, a very, or she had a very bizarre uh, response when she was asked a question about her husband, Paul Pelosi, who was assaulted, you may remember, assaulted, naked guy, hammer, unclear who got in, how he got in, the glass was broken, not inside the house, but outside, like nobody knows exactly what's going on, but everybody, Hillary Clinton, it was right wing, uh, you know, crazy people that did this, and Ilhan Omar, the rest, and everyone used it for their own political purposes. Anyway, Pelosi was asked about Paul, and uh, well, try to make some sense of this. Asking about your husband, Paul, how is he doing? Well, thank you for asking. Good morning. Uh, each day takes us closer to uh, recovery. It's a long haul, but he's doing well, comforted by the good wishes and especially the prayers of so many people throughout the country. We thank them all for that. And again, so many have said, I'm, I'm going to be sure to vote because this has gone too far. Ah, okay, so something to do with voting. This has gone too far. Okay, that's your husband. All right, that's just fine. Uh, then she was asked uh, whether Biden should run again. And now this is the interesting one because everyone knows Biden is breaking down. He's at a climate summit right now in Egypt and his teleprompter stuff 
was legendarily bad. I didn't even want to show it today. It was just like too much. I couldn't even deal with it. But the guy is breaking down. It will be a miracle if he gets to the end. But Nancy's all in. You think President Biden should run again? Uh, yes, I do. I mean, president Biden has been a great president for our country. He has accomplished so much. He's been a great president. Look, at the end of the day, because we didn't get the red wave, a certain amount of people must believe that, right? I have to, I always say we all have our blind spots. We're, we're all sort of cordoned off in our own little uh, echo chambers to some degree. I do my best not to be in that, uh, especially when I'm chatting with you guys in the locals community. I know I'm very proud of the fact that my audience tries to get counter information and find out some other things and we don't get all lost in that, but we do have to uh, accept that a certain amount of people, no matter how ridiculous we think Biden is, no matter how mentally compromised he is or bad his policies are or, or how radical the, the woke left has gone, that certain people, again, do want it, that there are certain states. The idea that someone could live in Michigan and having been locked down and told not to plant seeds in their yard and all of the stuff that Gretchen Whitmer did, and more than 50% of the people voted for her again. We have to accept that these are realities. We may not like them to be realities, but this, this experiment of the United States of America is splitting to a degree. And as you know, that is federalism and that is okay. It makes it sound like, oh, you want secession and you want civil war and all of those things. No. I want the states to operate fully independently and the, and the federal government to be neutered enough to not bother the states. And I'm saying that here in D.C. where I'm pretty sure they can take me out when I walk outside. Uh, but usually they don't hit the guy they're trying to take out. They hit the other guy. So uh, not, great for, <laughs> not great for you guys. Uh, anyway, uh, Biden uh, was asked if he is going to uh, run again in 2024. Obviously a lot of attention on 2024 now that the votes have been cast in the midterms. Two-thirds of Americans in exit polls say that they don't think you should run for re-election. What is your message to them, and how does that factor into your final decision about whether or not to run for re-election? It doesn't. What's your message to them? To those two-thirds of Americans? Watch me. Yeah, we do watch you, Joe. We do. And from, I think, an objective situation, you're not doing a very good job. But again, I get I fully do get it. It's hard to track because of polls that make no sense and big techs making us all crazy and all of that stuff. I guess a certain amount of people do watch you and go, my God, Joe Biden knows what he's doing. It seems like he really is doing good. And it seems like they might think that their Democrats are doing good. Uh, I guess maybe because people aren't taught basic math and basic logic anymore. So they see their, all of their bank accounts going down. They see the value of the dollar going down and they somehow think that that's kind of good. Here's our black lesbian press secretary, Corinne Jean-Pierre, explaining why Republicans lost. And uh, yeah, nonsense. So Republican candidates said their top priority was undoing Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which would raise prescription drugs, which would raise energy costs uh, and also health care costs. And so they were very clear on how they were going to lay out uh, ways that it would hurt the economy, worsen inflation. Okay, I don't even know where to begin with this lady. Look, the Inflation Reduction Act was called the Inflation Reduction Act because you have to call something that's not good. You got to give it a good name. And what it was was a giant spending bill that did not reduce inflation, but it said Reduction Act. So a lot of people think so. Uh, the Republicans, though, I'll give the devil his due with the Democrats. The Republicans obviously didn't communicate a better alternative. 
right? They obviously didn't because enough people somehow didn't think that, hey, if we could just get these people out of here who are endlessly spending, if we could just maybe give the power to the other guys and just see what happens, enough people just didn't want to do that. So what do you do? What do you do? Well, I like finding solutions, right? That's how we always end this show. We like to find solutions, even when I'm here in DC. Not a place of tremendous solutions, although I do have to say the studio here is fantastic and uh, the people have all been great. Um, it's not a place of solutions, but I believe in solutions. So what would a couple solutions be? Well, one would be that we take back and crush the institutions that have so manipulated us so that so many of us are living in different worlds because we believe wildly, wildly different things. I thought Marco Rubio, my new, my ongoing senator uh, right here or right back home in Florida, uh, had a great commentary on how remarkable it is actually that Republicans do win despite everything. But I think we also have to understand something. I mean, literally, every, everything in our society and culture is aligned against Republicans. It's a miracle Republicans win anywhere. Every, virtually every major television and media outlet in America is against us, all the celebrities, all the movie uh, actors. I mean, you name it. It's just constant. The tech companies, uh, the, the list goes now of major American corporations. So it's amazing that Republicans are even competitive, much less win in these seats. And look, I think we're going to win the House. All right, that's worth reiterating. Now, first off, it does look like Republicans are gonna win the House by a very, very slight majority. But the broader point there, that all of the cultural norms have been against us, big tech and television and music and all of the stuff, movies, all of it, right? Uh, and as Andrew Breitbart said, politics is downstream from culture. So we have been fighting this massive thing. And, and just if you're paying any attention beyond what I do on the show to what's going on with Elon and Twitter, he's exposing a lot of the nonsense and he's firing people left and right because we have been manipulated in crazy ways. So the idea that, as, as uh, Rubio says, the idea that Republicans are competitive, that these things are so close despite one side having everything against it and not doing all the vote trickery beforehand as they do in Democrat states, it's actually pretty remarkable. And that should give you a lot of hope actually that there are more of us and there are more freedom loving people and people that are proud of the flag and proud to be Americans and all that. Uh, so, okay, so we have to take back some of these institutions, these cultural and tech institutions. But I would also say, number two, we have to be a, a united, I could say party, but I wanna say movement, because it's not about a party, right? Like I happen to have registered as a Republican in Florida, but I don't consider myself, I certainly don't consider myself like a standard Republican or even a standard conservative, but a movement, a wide movement of all sorts of freedom loving people who can argue about li driver's licenses at the libertarian end and can argue about uh, same-sex marriage or whatever else, but all agree that we want to live in America, we believe in individual rights, we believe the founding is good. That's what we must do. And then, from a party perspective, you have to support good candidates. Blake Masters, it does look like he's gonna lose. I don't think he's officially conceded yet, but it does look, it's a damn shame because he's a, he's a good man. He has a, he has a bright future in front of him for sure. Uh, but it does look like he's gonna lose in Arizona. Uh, he was on TV talking about how the Republican machine did not help him enough. At best, just incompetent. But you know what else is incompetent, Tucker? The establishment. Right, the people yeah, who control the purse strings. Senate Leadership Fund, Mitch McConnell. McConnell decided to spend millions of dollars attacking a fellow Republican in Alaska instead of helping me defeat Senator Mark Kelly. Had he chosen to spend money in Arizona, this race would be over. We'd be celebrating a Senate majority right now. So look, 
I don't like to think it's all about money, but a lot of it is about money. And we need an apparatus, let's say, again, broadly on the right, it's not about purely Republican or something, but an apparatus that is focused and efficient and all of those things that is using money well. Um, I don't think we have that at the moment. And I think more and more people are realizing that after this election. Um, so, wait, sorry, what's the next clip? We're Oh, the thing froze up for just a sec. Sorry. <laughs> uh, for number three, though, on my list of how we're going to fix this thing, we need measured and competent leaders who we can trust, right? Okay. And here's where I have to hit Trump on something because Trump sent out a couple posts on Truth Social. And it's like he could comment on the election and say, hey, this is what went wrong. This is what went right. These are the ideas we stand for. This is what they stand for. People didn't come around the way I would have liked. The would have liked. Uh, but instead, he's going back to some of his old stuff. And I just don't think this is the stuff we need anymore. Here's a post on truth from Trump. He wrote, young kin. Now he's talking about Glenn Youngkin. Young kin. Now that's an interesting take. Sounds Chinese, doesn't it? In Virginia, couldn't have won without me. Trump wrote on Truth Social, the social media platform he helped found. I endorsed him, did a very big Trump rally for him telephonically, got MAGA to vote for him, or he couldn't have come close to winning. But he knows that and admits it. Besides, having a hard time with the Dems in Virginia, but he'll get it done. Look, I don't know, what is he trying to imply that somehow he's Chinese or something, young kin? Like, we, we just don't need this. No one in their right mind. Donald Trump, anyone that is associated with Donald Trump, again, I voted for you, I like you. We don't need these games anymore. If, you're, if you think that Glenn Youngkin is the enemy, if you think that Ron DeSantis is the enemy, then you gotta find the mirror, right? Like, you gotta look at yourself and go, what am I really trying to do here? Am I trying to make this all about me or am I trying to find the best possible people to put in these jobs to, to lead to a country that is something like the country I wanna live in? Glenn Youngkin, basically is doing a great job in Virginia and, and the proof is in the pudding. Ron DeSantis is absolutely crushing it in Florida and the people see it. So I don't think these tricks are gonna work. Glenn Youngkin actually had a nice response to, to the Trump post. What's your reaction? First of all, I didn't see it. Um, we have and, it right uh, here. And I have, to, I, I have to be honest, I've been busy all morning. Um, listen, I, 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 you, you all know me. I do, I do not uh, call people names. I, I uh, really work hard to bring people together, and that's what we're working on. Well, that's what I'm saying, and, and, and I just, that's not the way I roll and not the way I behave. And, uh, and I think, again, this is a moment for us to come together. Yeah, that's kind of right. Like, we can lick our chops. We can, or lick our wounds, rather. We can lick our wounds and go, all right, well, what's going on here? What do we have to do to be better? And is it better to throw out these bombs and young kin and what Ron the Sanctimonious, like this stuff, or to lay out better policies? Like, what actually do people want? I think we're the mature group. I think we're the side that actually wants clarity and competency. And we want leaders uh, with spines who do the right thing no matter the cost, I was reminded of this video. This is from almost, this is a year and a half ago now, almost two years ago, uh, when Ron DeSantis decided to lift the ban on nursing homes here in Florida. And, and just listen to this in case you forgot it. They're not demanding a medical miracle. They're not uh, having unrealistic expectations. They just would like to be able to say goodbye or to, to hug somebody. So. It was, you know,
I think it's difficult um, to think that some of our actions may have prevented. There's a way to do this right. There's a way to do this with humility and humanity. And again, I am not attacking Trump over this. I'm telling you, dude, you got to be better at the moment if you want people to come. I'm seeing a lot of people that are getting off that Trump train, a lot of people. And again, we don't even know what DeSantis wants to do. We genuinely do not know. But I think people have had it with the games. Like, Youngkin doesn't owe you anything at this point. DeSantis doesn't owe you anything. Did you help them? Likely, probably. Maybe definitely. But that's not necessarily what this is all about. And if you're going to try to take out or mock the guys that are doing the work, that are getting in there, doing all the stuff that you would want done, it's, it's not, I think it's going to be a major problem. But there is a winning strategy. It is Florida. It is competency. It is clarity. It is doing what's right. And it's showing people that if you stand up and you fight the woke, and you fight the corporations, and you fight the political machinery, that people will back you because they're looking for a leader. My job is to protect the education opportunities and the jobs of the people of my state. And if doing so means I put my own job in jeopardy, well, let the chips fall where they may. Leadership is about standing up for other people before you worry about your own hide. Yeah, it's as simple as that, guys. It's as simple as that. And that's the battle that has to, has to happen. And to just circle back to where we started with Jordan Peterson talking about this, maybe it all has to happen out publicly, right? If they both decide to run, maybe it all has to happen. Maybe that's the best thing, right? Like if Trump is either indicted or doesn't run and it seems like it's just handed to DeSantis, maybe DeSantis won't be refined enough when he gets into a general election. Like we can talk about all that kind of strategy stuff and that's interesting stuff and I like talking about all that stuff and whatever, but I don't think the strategy of just, I will make it personal and burn it all down and destroy everything, which seems to be more in line with what Trump might do if you're going after Yunkin and DeSantis this way, um, I don't think that's the future. I just don't think it's the future. At least it's not a future that I want to be part of. And it's certainly, and again, I say this as someone that likes him, likes his kids, voted for him, and in certain situations would vote for him again, obviously, and would absolutely vote for him before voting for a Democrat. So well, that's my thoughts on all of that. Uh, stick around for a cold close, guys. And it is me Monday over at the Ruben Report Locals community. And since I am in the swamp today, you can see what I posted right there. You'll never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. Ironically, I can't find any people out on the streets here in DC, but we'll keep looking. We will. A couple comments from the locals community. EK says, if you say fascist three times, Ron DeSantis appears and gives you a speech about freedom. So scary. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Talway says, Saturday Night Live is showing it's 50 years of age. It's just like your grandpa. Jokes were that, jokes were funny at 20. Oh, sorry. Jokes that were funny at 20 just make your eyes roll now. Yeah, Saturday Night Live, I, I watched a few of the other clips. I mean, it's, it's absolutely terrible. Uh, and again, there were, there were moments in Chappelle's uh, monologue that I, I didn't love. I think he said some things that probably should have been cleaned up a little bit or whatever. Uh, but better late than never when it comes to getting to the party. So what makes Dave Chappelle a Democrat? I mean, this is the, uh, this is the same thing that I'm doing with, with Bill Maher all the time and, and some of these other people. It's like, I don't know what makes you a Democrat other than you only know yourself as a Democrat. But if you like what Chappelle's saying there is, holy shit, here's somebody saying all of the stuff that I've wanted to say for a long time that actually is true and he was doing it on stage in front of the world. 
I don't know, maybe you should have supported that guy then. Maybe that guy's not the most evil person in the world and some of the other stuff that Jordan Peterson said. Buttercup says Dems would vote for a potato if they were told to. Look, I think that we have to come to that conclusion at some level, um, whether it's a potato or it's Fetterman, like a certain amount of people in this country are going to vote Democrat no matter what. That could be bad branding on the Republicans. It could be bad education because people don't know what has freed them and what our history is and what, what independence means or any of those things. But we have to learn how to fight better, I think. And again, that's why I keep bringing everything back to Florida because it's happening somewhere. So when it's happening in a place and it's good and it's just, and as despite what Anna Navarro says, nobody's questioning the election results and people are thrilled to be here. And hundreds of thousands of people have come here while literally half a million people fled New York in the last couple of years. And almost 400,000 people, I think, have now left California in the last two years. It's like that model is right. And maybe it can only be done at the state level. Right? Maybe the best thing would be that it does, you really just shouldn't care that much what a governor in another state is doing. You should care to some degree about their senators and their Congress people because they're voting on giant spending packages and can vote you into war and everything else. But at the end of the day, as for me as a Floridian, does it matter that much whether Carrie Lake is going to win in Arizona or not? Do I think she's way better than Katie Hobbs and cares about America more and all that stuff? Yes. But at the end of the day, she's the executive of Arizona. And how much does that affect my life? Actually, pretty much zero. I want us to be the United States of America, but we got to get back to figuring out what unites us. Uh, all right, I think this was a, I think this was a solid show from DC. I'm going to sit down with uh, Congressman Jim Jordan in uh, just a few minutes, and then we'll be posting that this week. As I said, we've got Ted Cruz, we've got Marsha Blackburn, we've got Byron Donalds, we've got Rand Paul. We're going to try to add in a couple other people. I think tomorrow afternoon, maybe we'll wander around the mall. So. Uh, maybe we'll see some of you guys out there going to the monuments and that sort of stuff. Uh, as always, if you have not subscribed at rumble.com slash Ruben Report and join us uh, during the show, you can chat live at rubenreport.locals.com. My full interview with Michael Shermer is up. My full interview with J.P. Sears is up. I've been doing a lot of talking. I really need some water. Goodbye. That our significant climate investment will, quote, help turbocharge the emerge the ener the the excuse me tur turbocharge the emerging global clean energy clean energy economy i was reading their quote sorry <laughs> thank you guys for tuning into the rubin report direct message we're live on rumble blaze tv and youtube every weekday at 11 a.m. eastern 8 a.m. pacific don't forget to review share and subscribe to this podcast and if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubenreport.locals.com.